today. Eco will show you the ways. The three R's to protect our environment. Eco's telling you that would really be good time spent. The air, water, land, and plants will thank you if you do. Everybody should do it if they only knew. Reduce, reuse, recycle today. Eco will show you the way. Think ecologically. All right, guys. All right. This is not going to work for me. Who, who's up here leading? Is this midgets? What's going on? That's not politically correct. Anyways, no worries. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm like 1,000 degrees in here today. Are you guys hot? I know. What was I thinking? Like dying. Okay. So how's everybody doing? How many of you guys out there went and celebrated Earth Day in some way today? Show of hands. How many of you guys, okay, you had a day off today. I know most of you guys had school off. How many is when you didn't have school off did something at school for Earth Day? Other years. When I remember most was when my kids were in junior high and grade school is when they really, really promoted um, the Earth Day stuff. I remember going and uh, planting trees, cleaning up... Uh, Areas like at Snyder's Grove, going and doing stuff like that. I remember all those different things that we used to do. And as a matter of fact, Shelby, I think, had a tree given to her when she was a young kid. And I think it was literally like eight years it never did anything. It never, ever took off. And I think it re- got ran over by the mower like at least twice. And then a tractor once by Gary Burt but, uh, when he came and mowed my yard. But uh, then all of a sudden, one year, it just like took off. I remember I used to protect it with these little shells and try to like guard it so nobody would hurt it again. And then finally one day it just started taking off and growing. And uh, now it's actually um, the big evergreen tree that where Cameron um, does his slack lining when you come over our house. You guys have probably seen it. So that tree is actually an Earth Day tree. So you guys ever gotten a tree given to you? Yes. How many of you guys have trees that survived that were given to you from Earth Day? This is good. This is good. So a couple of them. All right. Um, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Earth Day. Do you guys know why we celebrate birthday? Do you know the whole basics? I'm going to tell you why. Why we do it. Basically, what'd you say? Well, no. Al Gore wants us to, but I don't think that's why. But it's basically looked at as a birthday party for the earth. You know, we're supposed to celebrate and say, oh, good, good earth. You know, but, but why do we have it? It basically started because there was a senator from Wisconsin named Gaylord Nelson. <clears throat> he had an idea to get everyone involved in helping our earth so it would be a better place. So he thought about setting aside one special day every year to honor the earth. And his plan was to call it Earth Day. How appropriately named, huh? That works out well. So the very first Earth Day, can you imagine? I bet you none of you guys could guess how far back it actually started. <laughs> There's a senator, yes. Um, yes, 1970. Actually, April 22nd, 1970 is the very first Earth Day. And it was a great success. So uh, people were, like, all excited. They marched in parades, and, you know, they made speeches about the environment. And all neighbors got together, and they decided to clean up their, uh, their areas, clean up their communities and, and stuff like that. So soon after this all took place, people were pretty excited about the fact that we could clean up our environment, just people working together. And so more and more people began joining this whole environmental push. And... Uh, 
then voters began urging the government to protect the environment. More government. Always more government. Big brother. <clears throat> so anyway, what started out as a great idea sometimes can be kind of like, you know, can kind of be a problem sometimes. But it was a good thing in the beginning. Uh, Congress actually started to pass stricter laws against air and water pollution, and then this brand-new government agency called the EPA began. The EPA can be the bane of a business's existence sometimes, I'm going to tell you, because a lot of times they're really following everything, but because they're so, so strict, they watch everything. And, you know, every time the government sometimes gets along, sometimes it can be a lot to put up with. But it's all started out in a great idea. You know, who doesn't want there to be cleaner earth? We all should want that. So... Why tonight are we going to talk about Earth Day and CYM? Why do you think? For what reason would I, Deb Graper, talk about... Well, I do love green. Green's my favorite color. Uh, but why would I talk about it in CYM? It's you know, like, well, this is kind of like a different message. Deb doesn't usually talk about environment and ecology. This is a good thing. She's hitting on some of it, Catherine. This is good. Going to talk on that. Going to hit on that. But, you know, basically, it's to point us back to the one who created everything. Right? We're going to talk about creation because when we talk about creation, we can go ahead and we can turn around and we can turn it and point back to the God who created all things. The creator. So that's what we're really supposed to be doing. What were you saying? He's, no. Well, he's everywhere. He's everywhere pretty graphic. I never got to see it yet, so that's pretty cool. So tonight we're going to talk about um, Earth Day. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a protective thought about the Earth. You know, every single one of us really should be out there concerned about whether or not we protect and keep the world clean. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We all should do it. You know, none of us should be littering because it's skanky for one thing. It is. It's disgusting. It's a disgusting thing. You know, you shouldn't be wasting just to waste. You know, I'm not a real radical, but I'll tell you what, sometimes Shelby turns on the water, and we're, we have a well, so it's like not like we pay for water, but sometimes Shelby will turn on the water, and she will go to wash her face, and she'll let that water run. It just drives me crazy, because I was raised in this environmental awareness thing through school that you don't waste water. So it just bothers me just to just let it keep running. It does. It does bother me, and I'm always like, just turn the water off. If you're not going to use it, just turn it off, you know? No big deal. But, you know, we shouldn't waste things, and we should be thoughtful, and we should be caring about the planet in which we live in. Because it is really our responsibility. You know, because our planet actually is what sings praises to God. And it points people to him. And I'm going to go through and I'm going to tell you and reveal to you some amazing, amazingly cool things that the Bible says about um, the earth and creation and really what it stands for. There's a lot more to it than you think. First Chronicles 16.23 says, Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. So right off the bat, the earth itself says that the whole earth sings to the Lord. Now, if you're in my Sunday school class, you've heard me before talking about the fact that there's a scripture where it even says that if we don't cry out and praise to God, that the earth, the, the rocks will. The rocks will cry out. Now, I really firmly believe what I'm going to go through and sh kind of show you tonight is that there's actually scriptural references that show that the earth really is more obedient to God then it is just, you know, a haphazard thing. It also says in First Chronicles 16.33, it says, Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise, for the Lord is coming to judge the earth. So when these things happen, we wonder sometimes, what is it that takes place? 
you know, maybe we don't notice it. Maybe we're not aware of rocks crying out to God. Maybe we don't hear trees praising God. But God is the creator, and he created all things. Maybe it really does. Do we know? We don't have ears like God. We can't think like God. He says, you know, our ways are not his ways, so we don't understand. So if you look at what God's word has to say about the earth, you know, you don't have to read very far to find out some of the things that it says about God um, in the earth. It's Genesis 1-1, right off the bat. What does it say? I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. This is not my Bible, so I'll tell you what it says. <laughs> I think. This is an introduction. Ah, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There we go. Right off the bat. He says, all you see, all you don't see. So the thing is, is we don't always see everything. You know, we think that we see what our eyes are, are laid upon, but there's so much out in the heavens that we don't have a clue about. We don't know everything. Have you ever sat there and looked at the stars? You look out there and you're just amazed at how many stars there are. I was looking at a graphic the other day. They were talking about how the, the sun, how huge it is in comparison to the earth, but then all stars are about that same size as the sun. That blows your mind when you think about that. To think that those stars that we look at that are tiny little itty-bitty are that big everywhere. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's also always blown my, blown my mind the fact that they say when you see something that you're not actually seeing it now. You're seeing it like, what, 17,000, like, it's like so many years ago. I mean, hundreds? Yeah, I mean, it's like so far back because light takes that far to travel. So it's really an amazing thing that God has done. So, you know, it has a lot to say about this. But what it does, it goes on to say, um, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. The God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse to separate the water and the expanse from the water above it, and so it was so he called the expanse sky. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And so it was. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. So we understand where the stars are all about. Then God also said, let the water teem with living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth, above the expanse of the sky. He created this great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing in which the water teems. Then also God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each according to its kind. And then God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. So we see that God created all the things that exist upon this place. So the Bible has a lot to say about the earth. You know, when I looked at the earth... Just that simple word, when I looked under a concordance and looked it up, you know, there was 683 times in the Bible that God mentions earth. So, I mean, you can see that there's a lot to be said about earth. And, uh, you know, he loves it. And the reason why he talks so much, because it is his creation. It is what he created for us to exist and live upon. So it's, it's only when we begin to put the, the planet and the protection above it be above mankind that really becomes a problem. You know, we're supposed to care and protect our environment. We're supposed to care about the earth. We're supposed to care about the fact that we exist in a place that we want to keep it as as nice as possible. The only time it really becomes a problem is when we start to put it in front of mankind. 
You know, all things are like that with God. What does God say? He says he's a jealous God, does he not? He says he wants to be number one. He wants to be number one in our lives. So the thing is, when we start to put even stuff that's meaningful and important like the environment, and when we start putting that in front of him, it's going to be causing a problem in our life. So he wants us to protect the planet. He wants us to care about certain things, but he wants us to do it with the mindset that he's first, that he's still number one. If you guys are aware of anything like in Christianity or if you watch the news and you see like environmentalism and sometimes, you know, they, they don't work together. You see that there's Christianity environmentalisms. They, they butt heads a lot of times. You know, the Christians call the uh, environmentalists tree huggers and, you know, of course, the, you know, the tree hugger environmentalists think that the Christians are just crazy because all we care about is creation and you know, God and all this different stuff. And they think that we don't, can't work together. And I, I really, what I want you to see tonight is that it does work together. It works together perfectly. And we need to understand that. So the thing is, it just kind of gets out of balance sometimes. You know, anything that starts out good sometimes can get out of balance. It's when it, the, the pendulum sways the other way a little too much, that's a problem. You know, when we start to care so much more about... Um, protecting a sea creature or, you know, protecting something over mankind when it's something, you know, I don't know if you know, there's a, a situation so many years back where what there was was there's an experience where there was a, a forest fire, huge, huge forest fire, and they um, airdropped all these different forest fire, uh, you know, fighters in, and they were trying to put the fire out. And what they found is they were blocked. They couldn't get out of this one area. So they were radioing for help. And so what they were asking for is for, um, there's these big helicopters will come in and they will scoop up water. They'll go to a lake and they'll just scoop up great big, huge, you know, thing of water and they'll carry it with the helicopter and they'll take it and they'll dump it in an area. And what actually happened was when they radioed and asked for help to get this, there was all this red tape and bureaucracy and, and government in EPA involvement, and they wouldn't allow it to take place because there was a certain kind of a water creature in that water that they didn't want to take up because if they took it up, they wouldn't let it drop and it would, it would kill the animal. So what ended up happening is numerous firefighters died. This is where the balance gets out of whack sometimes. You know, when this kind of happens, when it gets put in place of mankind and stuff like that, protection of mankind, that it's a problem. When it is just a, you know, it's a creature. It's, you hear probably the stories about like a certain um, bird or something in a tree and, you know, they won't cut down this one whole thing because there's one little bird in a tree. And, you know, that's, it's that kind of stuff that kind of makes people crazy sometimes. It's like, well, I don't understand. It just doesn't make sense, you know, that that, that works. But, you know, the thing is, you can't let those things get out of balance. But, you know, it's a good thing to preserve wildlife areas. We should be doing that. You know, we should be concerned about the fact that there's areas for animals to live. We all want that. We all want it to take place. And, uh, you know, the thing is, if you're clear-cutting forests, you know, and stuff like that, you should really go back and replant. It's a good thing. You should go back and replant. You should get all these things to grow back up and, and kind of keep, you know, continually feeding the planet and doing the things that's right. You know, we shouldn't dump waste in our water. It's dumb. I mean, it makes no sense, does it? I and mean, if you're going to go try to get an area to drink, you don't dump dirt and water in it, or dirt and garbage in it. You just don't do that to your water. The problem is that that's happened for years. You also don't pump t 
tons and tons of um, smoke and debris into the atmosphere and think that we're going to be able to breathe for a long time. So, you know, all these things are good things to think about and protect. We want to do that. And as far as, like, Christians and environmentalists, both should really care about taking care of the planet. You know, but the problem is they come about it from different perspectives and they can't see each other's perspectives sometimes. You know, they can't see the forest from the trees. You know, they can't see that. So environmentalists, environmentalists can view man's place on this earth sometimes. Um, what ends up being the problem is they kind of view mankind as really just another animal. You know, that's their perspective. They think, well, you know, yeah, man's important, but who says man's more important than that bird or, you know, that little sea, and, sea creature or whatever it is, frog or whatever it is, you know? And they'll say, well, who says one's more important than the other? Well, the reason why I want to kind of make that point to you tonight is because actually God's word says man is more important. It actually says stuff like that. So Christians actually, you know, the thing is where mankind might say that, um, or environments might say that mankind is really no different than like a, any other mammal, a cow, a chicken, whatever, that they have no more worth, Christians, they view themselves from the perspective of what God's word says, which says that we are made in his image, God's image. And so that we have a difference about ourselves. There's something different about us compared to the creatures that roam this earth. So it says in Genesis 1, 26 through 30, it says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea. Isn't it interesting that God said, let us, let us make human beings in our image. You know why he says that, right? Because Jesus already existed. He already was here at the beginning. At the beginning of the creation, Jesus already existed. He just didn't come to earth as a little baby yet, but he already existed. He was God already. So he says, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflect in our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth, God created human beings, he created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and the birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree, given them to you for food so to tell all the animals and all the birds, everything that moves and breathes, breathes, that I give whatever grows out of the ground for food, and there it was. So he says, actually, that you're set apart, that you're different. He says, I give you all these things. So the scripture points out to us that God created everything that is on this earth, but that man is different, that he's set apart, that he is the head of all creation, really. And because he's made in God's image, that's what he's set apart to be different. And it also points out that animal and plant life is under man's rule and really meant for his use. That we have in ourselves the right to eat what we want, to take what we want, to do those things. He's given it to us as a gift. You know, if, if it's something that is given to you as a gift, you have all the right to use it in the way that you want to. But that's the problem in the way that you want to. It also tells us in God's word to be fruitful and multiply. Now, this, this slams in the face of everybody that walks around saying that the world is overpopulated, doesn't it? The world is overpopulated. There's too many people. Not when you look at God's word. God's word says be fruitful and multiply. He says reproduce more, more babies. More babies is what he says. And this is an old school. This is an old times. Bible, the Bible is living and breathing, and it's forever. So the thing is, we're supposed to be able to, you know, 
procreate. We're supposed to be able to raise children, bring more kids into this world. That's what we're supposed to do. So based on God's word, overpopulation is not going to be an issue. It's not going to be an issue. And I'm going to kind of bring all this around, and I hope you can understand where I'm going with this at the end. So one of the biggest differences between environmentalists and those who believe in creation is really what kind of impact man is making out of this earth. You know, a lot of them think that man is really the whole problem of the environment. It's all man's problem. You know, if man wasn't here, the earth would be great. The earth would have no problems. And uh, that's Amy's stuff out of her Bible, so I'll get that for you later. A lot of people who work hard to be green for the earth think if man could just be eliminated, then stop interfering with the world, then, you know, everything would just be beautiful. That's what they think. But when we read God's word, it tells us that actually, in all actuality, the earth has actually been cursed, cursed, since the day Adam and Eve ate from that apple. That's what it actually says. So there's a bigger, deeper thing to the earth than just what mankind sees. There's way more to it. Hebrews 1, 11, 12 says, is in the message, it says, You masters started it all. You laid the earth's foundations, crafted the stars in the sky. The earth and the sky will wear out, but not you. They become threadbare like an old coat. You'll fold them up like a worn-out cloak and lay them away on the shelf. But you'll stay the same year after year, and you'll never fade. You'll never wear out. So we know God's word says the earth may fall apart. The earth is going to wear out. Eventually it's going to take place. But this is why our, our assurance has to be in something else. This is why we have to be a believer and a follower of the one who is a creator. Not the creation, but the creator because he is the one who's going to be everlasting. He's the one who never changes, never fades. It says Jesus is God's word. And it says the things of this world are going to fall apart and fade. But he says... The word, the word of God will stay forever and will never fade out. So, you know, there's a lot of controversy. If you're watching the, the news or you watch the, the television, especially around this time with the um, Earth Day stuff, we spoke of Al Gore back there, a whole lot spoken about global warming, too. There's a whole lot that's spoken about global warming. And, uh, you know, there's scientists who believe that global warming is exactly true. And they are saying that the earth has heated up about a half of a degree over the last hundred years. And, uh, you know, that it's horrible and this is happening. And it's really because of mankind. Have you guys even heard? There is actually blame, blame put on cows. Methane gas. Farting. is causing ozone layer to be depleted. This is actually what they're saying. I'm not kidding. It's methane, Yes. All of us don't eat burritos because we have to save the world, you know. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, it's telling us this. You know, this is what scientists say, that actually there's cows. There actually is a study on what they can feed cows so they don't have gas, so they don't ruin the environment. They're honest to God is. You read up on it. You find it. Go look on it in Google. But um, honestly, there's scientists that believe that we're, in the last hundred years we've, you know, raised a half of a degree. And they believe it's global warming. There's some who say it um, comes in cycles. That this, this world heats up and then it cools back down. It heats up and it cools back down. And this is something that continually happens over and over again. It's just there's not much study because, you know, we, how many hundreds of years back did we decide to study the environment? You know, in those days we were just trying to ward off Indians and not have the, you know, 
UK take over, and that's what they were worried about. They didn't care about the fact that there was like, you know, half a degree. They weren't even caring about the temperature as long as they weren't freezing to death or baking alive. You know, the thing is, they weren't really worried about it. But as Christians, you know, we need to know that regardless, and either way, if global warming is real, global warming isn't real, doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because ultimately, that's not the real problem that we need to worry about. There's bigger, bigger fish to fry. There's bigger problems than just this, okay? So the real problem is that the earth is not going to survive. Hate to break it to you, but we can do all we can to save everything, but ultimately the world is still going to collapse. It's not going to survive. Not to say that we need to throw anything away, because I think we need to protect the environment as much as possible. I think we need to. But if we believe God's word, what it says, it says the earth is not going to survive anyway. There is no place on earth that's ever going to be like paradise again, like it was with Adam and Eve. It's not going to be like that no more ever again. In God's word, it tells us that the earth is actually perishing. It's falling apart. It's going away. Like I say, there's much, much bigger things to think about. And the bigger thing that you need to think about is your own salvation. You need to think about where you're headed and what happens if the earth does and will, because I believe God's word, when it does fall apart, where you're headed. What's the point? Isaiah 51.6 says, Look up at the skies, ponder the earth under your feet. The skies will fade out like smoke. The earth will wear out like work pants, and the people will die off like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My setting things right will never be obsolete. Never. If you get set with God, you're never going to be on the wrong path. As much as we'd hate to think that the world is going to fall apart, what we need to be concerned with at this moment, this is the one time ever, I've been telling you not to be selfish, this is the one time, let me just tell you, be selfish. Think about your own salvation. Think about what about me, where I'm going to head. What am I going to end up? The truth is the creation... The creation is at the mercy of the creator. It is at the mercy of what the creator says. You know, the earth does not control itself. The creation doesn't control itself. God and God alone is going to decide when it's done. You know, if I found some really interesting things that the Bible says about the earth, and I'm going to read them to you. They're just amazing to me. In Deuteronomy 32, 1, it says, Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words I say. What I want to explain to you is that the earth is bigger and more powerful than you realize. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're not a believer, you're not going to understand. If you've never read God's word and you haven't really delved into it, or maybe you just don't quite get some of the things yet, I'm going to tell you that God's word is amazing and it tells us such great insights into God and into the earth. Deuteronomy 30:19 says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. The message of salvation, Jesus coming to die on the cross for each one of you is the choice that you need to make, whether or not you want to follow it. I believe God's word. I believe what it says, that we have to have him as our savior to be able to continue on. See, the, this world is falling apart. kind of sucks to talk about it on an earth day, don't it? Because we all want to think about this earth as like bright and shiny and little eco bug flying around. And it's just all a happy place, little rainbows and pretty but you know what? The earth is falling apart. It's true. But you know what's really, really cool? Is the Bible actually says that the earth listens, listens and hears us and our choices in our lives. 
And not only that, but you know, I want you to listen to these next scriptures. It actually says that the earth itself will be our witness and is going to testify against us. Blows your mind. Blows your mind. You know, sometimes we sit there and think, well, this is world, you know, it's dirt, whatever. God created it. God decides he wants to do something to it. God can do it. His choice. Psalm 54 says he calls on the heavens above and the earth below to witness the judgment of his people. His creation. It witnesses. It witnesses everything that we have happened to us. Job 20.27 says the heavens will reveal their guilt and the earth will testify against them. So the earth's going to stand up and witness and testify for us. God created. He can, I'm sure it speaks to him. It says the trees praise him. The rocks cry out to him. We don't know what spoke, what's, how it's done. The earth is at the mercy of God's command. You know, if you look at an artist creating a painting, you know, what comes out of it is just what the artist decides to do with it. You know, if you look at a sculptor sculpting what he wants, you know, if he decides in the middle of doing it that he wants to change it, push it all together again, he can do it. It's his choice. That's what you need to understand about God and earth being his creation that he can do what he wants to do with it because he is the creator of it. Psalm 18.7 says, The earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountain shook. They quaked because of his anger. Did you ever stop and think about when there is earthquakes and all these different things that it could be God's anger? It actually says at the end, in the end days, that there's going to be more and more earthquakes, more and more volcanoes, more things like that that are going to take place. And it says, because of God's anger. Because we know that people deny him, have nothing to do with him, don't accept him. And it does make God angry because he wants us to understand the truth. Jeremiah 10.10 in the New King James Version says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure his indignation. Psalm 106.17 says, They only cared about pleasing themselves in that desert, provoked God with their insistent demands. He gave them exactly what they asked for, but along with it, they got an empty heart. One day in a camp, some grew jealous of Moses, also of Aaron, holy priest of God, and the ground opened up and swallowed them. I'm going to tell you, people, it ain't old school like in them days, but I'm going to tell you, if God decides he wants to open up the ground and suck you in, you're done. You better be careful of some dirt out there sometimes. I'm telling you, you know, it really is something to think about. You know, we all make jokes about it because we think, you know, well, God, that wouldn't happen to me. Who's to say it wouldn't happen to you? Depends on how evil your heart is. But the earth submits to God's commands. If he says quake, it quakes. It does what he says. If it says open up, stand back. You better watch out. It's going to open up. So on this Earth Day, April 22nd, 2009, what is our responsibility to our environment? What is it? How do we balance all this? How do we work this out? You've got the creation. It's an amazing thing. How do we really work on it as Christians? You know, just because we think it's going to just fall apart someday, we can just think, well, whatever. We can just treat it whatever way. No. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend, guard, and keep it. So he says we actually have to do our part. He says for us to tend it, to keep it, to guard it, to protect it. So we actually, as creation people, 
we have to understand that we still have a call. We still have to care about the environment. It doesn't matter long term or when. We don't know the timing this stuff's going to take place. So we look at generations. God's word says to be fruitful and multiply, continue to have babies. If we just decided to just throw everything around, who cares about litter, who cares about you know, lakes and streams and all this, what does that say for our generations of people following after us? Our own descendants, they have nothing. So God says guard it, keep it. And Adam and now, now mankind is really supposed to be garden, God's garden, gardener. I can't say that word, gardener. That was so hard for me to say. How come? Gardener and protector. You know, we've never been released from the command. It started in the old days with Adam and Eve, and it's never, ever stopped. Our command is still to take and protect the earth. And we need to be mindful of the fact that it's our responsibility to take care of the environment. And it's not our right to abuse the gift that the earth was given to us by God to enjoy. I mean, the beauty is amazing. You know, they say that it's so beautiful. There's certain places in the earth that, I mean, we're just, we'd be just dumbfounded of the beauty. They say New Zealand is one of the most beautiful places you can, you can go. They say it's just absolutely beautiful. But, you know, in God's word, it says it pales in comparison to what heaven will look like. That's amazing to me. So we have to, we have to think about this gift that God's given us, and we have to be good caretakers of it. You know, the thing is, don't litter. Don't litter. I mean, honestly, I just don't understand anybody throwing something away. I, don't, I, just, I think it's just ridiculous that people throw stuff away. I'm always amazed that people throw garbage out and they don't want to take something in. It takes two seconds. Just take it into your house and throw it away. Just laziness. Just such a lazy attitude. But don't litter. If you're a Christian, true, if you're a believer, you should know better. You should know better not to be a person who litters. You should respect your planet and res- re- respect the earth, what God gave you. You know, if you see litter, pick it up. I don't care if it's yours. I don't care if it's yours and you didn't do it. Pick it up. It doesn't hurt to, to be a better person and go in and take care of someone else's garbage every now and then and just pick something up and make it look good. You know, the thing is, it only is going to help the earth make, make everything look better to all people, isn't it? If we every, everybody, one of us cares about something. You know, if you go to Oshkosh, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to Oshkosh, the world's largest EAA event. We go every year to the air show. One thing that it stands behind is the cleanest group that gets together for like a, uh, uh, an event, like a convention. It is the cleanest thing that you'll go to because every single person, because of the fact that it's airplanes and it's unsafe, everyone picks up anything that's laying on the ground. So there's no garbage. I mean, you can have thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I mean, it's miles long. You'll go to some events and there's garbage everywhere. Not this thing. It's the cleanest place you can go because no one throws garbage down. If they see garbage, they pick it up because they know it's a safety hazard. And so they, everybody cares about it and wants to keep it, you know, the, the cleanest event that they can have. But, you know, pick up someone else's garbage every now and then. It doesn't matter if it's yours. You know, there's nothing wrong with the idea. We might, you know, joke around, reduce, reuse, recycle because we might have heard it for years. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with reducing something, you know, trying to use something again and recycling something. You know, we've recycled for years. We've always recycled our cans. We've always tried to do something like that at home, and we've tried to do our, our newspapers, our bottles, and all those things like that. You know, it, it's important. It's just good to do, you know, because we should be good caretakers. All those things are important, but you have to understand that you cannot let those get in place of the most important thing, which is your own salvation. It really is the most important, the bigger issue. The earth has limits, 
Like I said, it's going to be destroyed again. We know the first time was what? Flood. In Noah's time was the flood, the Bible says. In Noah's time, the earth sprung up. It was the first time rain fell from the sky. Before it was all, everything was, you know, God was so great in how he like prepared the earth that before he actually had springs that would open up and get everything the water when it needed to. But then all of a sudden this happens with Noah and the earth deluge. Water everywhere and only eight people survived. So the first time the, the earth was destroyed by flood, what does it say the next time it's going to be destroyed by? Fire. That's what the Bible says. Second Peter 3.13, since everything here today might be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? Daily expect the day of God, eager for its arrival. The day of God is when Jesus comes back. That's something you've got to remember. Jesus is coming back. That's the best news you'll ever hear, that Jesus is coming back for us. But it says, Daily expect the day of God, eager for its arrival. The galaxies will burn up and the elements melt down that day, but we'll hardly notice. We'll be looking the other way, ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscape with righteousness. Do you understand when it talks about us receiving heaven someday? It actually says more in the Bible. It talks about the new, new earth, new heaven. We're not going to be here. We're not going to be up in the sky. He's going to give us a new one because this one's going to be destroyed. That's what his word says. Isaiah 24, 5 says, The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. Now, as much as the earth could be destroyed by man's na- mankind, throwing stuff away, doing things, do you understand his destruction? The destruction of the earth is actually going to take place not environmentally, it's going to take place because mankind turns their back upon God. That's what's going to take place, and that's what's going to destroy it. As much as we can be concerned, thinking that we're going to run out of water or we're going to have global warming, we're all going to heat up, it's more so the fact that man don't follow after God and follow the commandments that we have to be concerned with. So God's word says that the earth is the Lord's footstool. Everything in it belongs to God. Everything. Us. Every spit of nature belongs to God. It says, heaven and earth will all pass away, but the word of the Lord will last forever. Man, you have to let it live in your heart because you know what? You're not going to be fearful. That's a tough message to speak in tonight. I mean, you're probably thinking, man, what a message. You know, I'm scared to death right now. I'm thinking, the world's going to burn up. You know, everyone's probably thinking, my goodness. But you understand, this is important because it is truth. I'm not going to stand before here and lie to you and tell you guys are all great and you're all wonderful. You're all going to heaven. You're all going to live happy and smell daisies and skip all the rest of your... You're not, it's not going to case. It's not the case. If you don't accept Jesus as your Savior, we know that there's, there's going to be something to pay for this. So you have to let this message live in your heart. You know, you don't have to fear the end of the world because if you do what's right, you're secure. It says... We'll hardly notice when all this stuff takes place because we're going to be looking the other way. We're not even going to notice when all these other things start to fall apart. So his word says that he comes for those who are truly following him. That's what's going to take place. So it's interesting because in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And what's really interesting in Revelation, at the very, very end, 21.1, it talks about the new heaven. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. 
So it starts out, Alpha, in the beginning. There's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And at the very, very end of all times, 21.1, there's a new heaven and a new earth. So it's something to really think about. We need to do the things that are right. Earth Day is important. We need to take care of the environment. We need to concern ourselves with the things that are important. But don't let that ever get in place of your own salvation. If you don't know who Jesus is, you need to get that part of your life right. Because this world will not last forever. No matter how well we take care of it, it's not going to. Because mankind has an evil intention, and it's going to turn us back on God. Romans one twenty five says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So we have to keep our eyes on what's really important. That's what we need to worry about. If you don't understand and you don't know who Jesus is, I recommend that you talk to somebody. You talk to me, you talk to somebody, and let them really pray with you. I don't tell you all this stuff to scare you. It's not like I want you to run home and say, Deb says the earth's going to burn up, we're all going to, you know. You know, yes, it's true. The earth is going to burn up someday, but you know what? You have a plan. You have a path to, get, to escape. It's your choice. But I'm not going to lie to you and tell you anything else and anything different. So anyway, let me pray for you because we're going to go ahead and dismiss. Because like uh, Amy said earlier, if you want to go down and get a piece of cake, you can. If you can stick around for the theater, please do. We're going to watch Dick Van Dyke and have popcorn and soda and stuff. So uh, let me pray for you real quick and then we'll dismiss, okay? Lord, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we just pray that you, Lord, would just put this message in our heart. Lord, help us to understand that as much as ecology and, and environment and all the things that do matter to you, Lord, we know that most of all, Lord, you are concerned with us, knowing who your son is. And Lord, I just pray for each person that's here, Lord, that they'd come to know you as their savior. And Lord, that they would repent, that they'd walk away from a sinful life, and Lord, they'd follow after you. Lord, we're thankful, Father, that you have made a way, Lord God, that we can escape this this future plan of what's going to take place. And, and Lord, you offer an escape route. And Lord, we're just so thankful, Father, that you love us and you care for us and you offer that to us. I pray for each person here, Lord, that they come to know you personally. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would help each one of us to grow closer to you, Lord. I just pray that each one of us would take a step closer to you, Lord, because we know your promise is that you're going to come closer to us. I just pray that you just touch each person here, touch their families, and uh, Lord, help them to uh, grow in you. Just thank you for this day and everything, Lord, that you've done here tonight. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.